understanding on a daily basis. All I'm trying to say is that within Pangshin local government, from 1999 till death, we have never been to the Senate. Leading to critical social, political and economic conversations by those who matter. If you chop alone, you will die alone. He did not chop alone. So it is his turn to chop. Today, look at the consequences. That is such a man that had the timidity, the audacity to talk to a governor who still produced produce the highest votes in 2015. In 2015, what happened to him? He insisted that his own boy would be governor. The best journalists are seeking all the hidden answers with active citizens reacting. As at the time that Solomon left office, that was in 1983, there was a very big gap between 1983 and also 1999. Seriously. Join Ponsak Fada and Gilbert Joseph as they talk to those that matter to enable you grapple with the issues. Weekdays 5 to 6 p.m. on Nigeria at Sunset on J101.9 FM. very good evening and welcome to the program Nigeria at Sunset on J101.9 here in Jaws. My name is Bonsak Panap. Happy Independence to you, uh, Gilbert. Happy Independence. Bonsak, happy Independence. Happy New Month um, and a happy New Week. Yeah, well, uh, yesterday 63rd, you know, Independence yeah. celebration and you know, a lot of people have uh, posited uh, a lot of, you know, things, but I'll start with uh, Mr. Joseph Lengmang, that is uh, Joe Leng's former DJ of the Peace Building Agency. By the way, I will say happy birthday to his uh, daughter. Uh, his first daughter is my friend, Ken Wright. Happy birthday to Ken Wright. Yesterday I was there. And also uh, Lincoln, Laluz, and Leah. Yeah. Uh, there are three plates, and yesterday the Mark, you know, birthday. And there were a lot of people yesterday in the house. And I, I really had a great time. Plenty children. It's been a while. I saw plenty kids, you know, playing in once. <laughs> and you know that you can't control the energy of, you know, children. They were just moving about uh, and the adults were trying to control them, you know, with food and, you know, things like that. So uh, thank you very much, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Joseph Langman, Joe Langs, for opening your home to us. And of course, you know, the invitation. It was really warm and reconnected with a lot of friends that I've not seen in a while, Gilbert. Interesting. You know, I love the energy um, children seem to exhume yeah. each time they find fellow children and they're able to play together. It's really fun. And I think I must commend you because you have a special knack for, you know, being around kids and you have yeah. a way of handling some of the activities and the energy, you know, that comes with being a child or being children as it were. So really nice that you had that sort of time out and just on the same note um since you've spoken about the birthday my friend and coincidentally um the event in nasara state i i don't know how you'd find it because i know that he's a very passionate nasara um person he comes from that part of the country and of course you are aware of the development there mark bauer he also marked his birthday yesterday first of october and luckily that's um <laughs> Uh, the day that our country, you know, gained independence as it were. So mm. we wish them all the very best. Yeah. Well, so I was talking about Joe Langs. Yesterday he wrote an article about Nigeria's independence. And basically, 
uh, talking about social justice, you know, and what have you. And you really uh, spoke, you wrote about uh, uh, Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass in American history mm -hmm. was one of the free slaves, and he really uh, brought up the hypocrisy in American society, uh, citing their constitution that will hold this truth to be self-evident that all men are equal. But he said, indeed, in America, in practice, there's nothing like, true, you know, true, equal. True. And that was in the 1800s. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and the same thing we still struggle with, you know, uh, in our society. Tribalism, uh, religious bigotry. Nepotism. Yeah, basically all mm. these uh, dangerous isms, you know, that uh, has torn society apart and uh, make humans look at themselves, you know, different. Uh, I'm Tarok and you're not a Tarok, so I look at myself with some kind of superiority over you instead of looking at yourself looking at you uh, as someone that uh, deserves justice, kindness, and all of the uh, fantastic values, you know, that come from uh, the Judeo-Christian worldview. Let me speak from my faith, you know, at least. Well, I uh, give it. Uh, the issue of Nasara State, uh, Umbugado has been declared by the tribunal as the legitimate winner of that election. Uh, the tribunal sacked uh, Governor A. A. Sule from office. I mean, Nasara State traditionally is a swing state, you know, is is only Nasara State that had, you know, governor at some point in time in our history on the CPC. So Nasara State can swing to, you know, any party uh, at any time, given time, especially during election year. True. Um, we, we saw lots and lots of action. If it were a play, this is what we'd call it. It was indeed an action during the election, you know, there in Nasara State. The people came out in their good number to cast their ballot for whoever it is they wanted to. And, of course, you do know that constitutionally in Nigeria, if you aren't declared the winner, then you aren't the winner. So the winner was eventually declared and dissatisfied by that. Of course, Umbugadu went to the court. Mm. And here is the outcome of that verdict today, declaring, declaring him, you know, returned as the candidate who secured majority of lawful votes from that election and not also forget some of the protests that we did see you know after that election some of those events it's not even the returning officers state returning officers yeah so lots and lots of um, developments unfolded there and i think um he perhaps was able to prove his case in the court with um, the sort of evidence that he had. Mm. And in the end, uh, even though there's still a room for appeal and right up to the Supreme Court, which would also gar always guarantee that people who lose at the tribunal level will try to activate some of these options at their disposal. And this is what I want to believe that certainly Governor Abdullah Isule would um, try to do. But let's see how far it goes. In the meantime, um, the man was pictured in a, uh, you know, captured in a video as asking where his returning certificate is. Yeah. You know, that was really cheeky from the man. But, <clears throat> excuse me, um, it's just a sign of victory for him and the sort of um, celebratory mood that he has found himself in. And um, too many lessons, I think, for INEC to do better in terms of handling election activities. Um, and then, of course, try to just ensure that the IREF is put to good use because the essence of inventing some of these or bringing up some of these technologies is to help our electoral process, to help transparency, to yeah. help deepen democracy, as INE would always say. So Consolidate. I'll consolidate <laughs> our democracy, yeah. you know. So that's what we expect for them to do in Bielsa, in Kogi, uh, wherever, yeah. in those states in the not-too-distant future. Yeah. 
Well, uh, uh, today's program is a special program, and we have a special guest. Uh, let's play this insert from Professor Hafiz Abubakar. Um, when we come back, we're going to start the conversation with our guests. Stay here. Uh, I have listened to the many contributions. I want to totally agree with the last uh, contributor, uh, Mr. Billy Tafawa Quite a beautiful speech. It has quite a lot of positives, but the problem remains the issue of translating the talks into actions, working, as he said, the talk. I think this has been one of the greatest challenges of our country. Uh, our leaders talk beautifully, but it happens that in the end, there's a serious disconnect between their tongues and their hearts. And this is exceptionally one of the key deficits in our leadership in this country. We don't lead by example. We believe that propaganda can take us through from the time of campaign to election and to governance. All through using the instruments of propaganda lead our people. We as a people have been known globally to be very religious. Unfortunately, we are very religious. But the more the index of religion goes higher, the less the fear of God. Because the backbone of any religion should be the fear of the God that you worship, which is very, very low in our country. And God's fear actually is the backbone of truthful and purposeful leadership. Because only a leader that fears his God that will be fair, just and equitable in the administration office and that is seriously lacking in our country. Ours less nation that is being settled, the whole world accepts. Many of us Nigerians have now accepted that this is a beloved blessed nation of human material and other resources. Be able to have a veritable place, a global map. But unfortunately I think we have been our own enemies. And the key deficit is that of leadership. Leadership deficit. Yeah, we're glad you're still with us. The program is Nigeria at Sunset on J101.9 FM here in Jaws. My name is Ponsak Fanab. And my name is Gilbert Joseph. Well, we didn't make any comment on the strike because uh, the information that you have mm -hmm. is what it's we have. Absolutely. Yeah, so there's no new information whether uh, labor is going on with the strike. Uh, because yesterday they met with the uh, federal government. Uh, and, you know, negotiations are still ongoing. Until this time, you know, that's the information that we uh, have at our disposal. Like I said, uh, we have a special guest. Uh, and this is the first time Gilbert is going to meet one of my professors, you know, from school. And you understand, you know, the kind of uh, education, you know, <laughs> that I got, Gilbert. True, true. I have to beat my shoulders to say <laughs> I, I got, you know, the best. And today we're going to talk about truth basically is truth a necessity for nation or for building society yes has or is nigeria losing the efficacy of truth because all of human laws in society you know since time immemorial uh is anchored on truth you know the constitution is anchored on truth it's not anchored on uh facts you know lawyers would be arguing the debate the debate on uh, the facts but the truth at least is one is one thing that you know holds us bound as a country but is it that we're losing you know 
is truth, you know, a necessary ingredient for building society. So this evening we have a professor of social ethics. Uh, he has written extensively about uh, our country's history, about African traditional religion, basically about, you know, society, about uh, man in this fallen world and uh, how he relates to God and how he relates to uh, his fellow uh, kind or being. We have the Reverend Professor Yusuf Uturaki with us. Good evening. Thank you very much for coming, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, I want to say uh, happy anniversary. Nigeria is 63 years old now as an independent uh, republic from the British colonial uh, rule. Thank you very much for bringing me here. Well, thank you for uh, coming. Well, uh, uh, Prof, I, I don't know if it's going to be in place if I ask you about, you know, how best should we celebrate the independence of Nigeria? When I was a kid, it was basically March past. But as an adult now, uh, even yesterday when I woke up in the morning, uh, it was when, you know, I, I turned on my phone and started looking at, you know, social media content that I remember that it was independence. Uh, because of lots of, you know, questions that I have as a human being, you know, in this society. At times, you know, is that of regret. At times, is that of celebration. At times, is that of thoughts and seeing how I can individually contribute to make society better. But how best should we celebrate independence? Uh, thank you very much, uh, Ponsak. Um, your question uh, takes me to the memory lane. Uh, I remember 1960, when Nigeria, 1st October 1960, when Nigeria got its independence from the British colonial masters. I remember I was a young, young boy in the primary school, and uh, I, we had uh, what I call parade. Um, we, we had a beautiful parade. And that was a joyous day for me, for Nigeria becoming independent from the British colonial rule. Now, at that time, let me just say it, at that time, as a, as a little boy, I had great hopes for this country, Nigeria. Based on what you were told? Yes. Okay. But also experience. Okay. Because I was a, a small uh, boy at that time, and uh, we look forward to a greater future of Nigeria. But first, I want to say that uh, after many years, probably about uh, 10, 15 years after independence, uh, gradually the hopes and the expectations that I had for Nigeria was beginning to wane, was beginning to uh, uh, recede into sadness. When I look at Nigeria today, I feel very, very sad because we have failed as a nation, we have failed as a people to really develop principles of national, of nation building and national integration bringing all people from different uh, ethnic backgrounds, different languages, different religious backgrounds, and even region, uh, 
the expectation at that time as a young boy was great that Nigeria would become a great nation in Africa and that people in Nigeria will love each other, relate to each other, and help and come together to build a nation. But today, uh, Ponsat and listeners, Nigeria has been scattered. Okay. Scattered. Instead of bringing us together, we have become scattered. Why? Our attitudes towards one another and our attitudes toward the nation our behavior towards each other and our behavior towards Nigeria as a country and then our social practices as Nigerians. Bonsard, this is terrible. All right, well, I, I'm so happy that uh, you spoke about, you know, experience, you know, as a young uh, boy in primary school. Uh, this conversation is going to go generational. Your generation currently are those at the mantle of leadership, you know, the generation that uh, saw how government institutions were working. I mean, you enjoy that, service, government services. Uh, you spoke about, you know, elite, that this is, uh, that while you were in primary school, that is what you have been told. But we have the elites that seems very happy with where we are as a society right now because they are benefiting let's talk about how we came about this group of elites that are in your generation right now that maybe they're happy with how society is how how society is right now and how uh and maybe they don't even care about the future of the society mm. Well, uh, thank you very much uh, for this uh, uh, question and also for the explanation of the state of affairs of our country today. Uh, well, uh, let me say this, that uh, it's unfortunate that the best educated Nigerians from the mid-50s, 1950s, all the way to the towards the end of 1970s and perhaps you can add a little bit about the 80s now all the elites in Nigeria they receive the best form of education that this country could offer and these best educated Nigerians were the ones who have held the reins of government of society. They were the elites that led Nigeria as a society. But unfortunately, uh, uh, I can say that if the best were the ones who ruled Nigeria right from the time of independence and to some extent today, if the best, mm -hmm. what happened to Nigeria? Now imagine the younger generation who did not receive the best education as they did, as their fathers and their forefathers mm. <laughs> or their grandparents. Grandparents. Did. Yes. That's right. Okay. Now, what do you expect Nigeria to become tomorrow? People who are not educated in the sense that they were not trained, they were not nurtured in good social and spiritual and moral and ethical values. 
But the earlier uh, people who ruled this country, they received the best education, the best moral and spiritual education. But unfortunately, something went wrong. What, what, what could that be? What is that? The, the, the aspect, uh, let me put it this way. There are two trends of national development. You have those who emphasize what I will call structural engineering or social engineering. These are people who believe that there are certain, certain things that you bring into the nation and cause the nation to grow and develop economically and politically, but without values, but without values. Now, social engineering alone cannot develop a country, cannot take you anywhere. Just as the emphasis of Nigerian elite, they were interested only in social and structural engineering putting institutions and organization and system, hoping that these will help Nigeria to grow, to develop, and to become something. On the other hand, you have the moral engineers. That is those who emphasize religion, they emphasize cultural values, religious values, and social values. But unfortunately, so moral engineers cannot build a nation. The reason is that you need two. The two engineering aspects of a developing a society, both social or structural engineering and moral engineering, and you need the two. The two are complementary. Now, what has failed Nigeria is that Nigeria has not fully developed what I will call the moral values, the social values, as developed from our cultures and our religions. Instead, what has happened is that Nigerians have turned to moral, spiritual, and ethical values as instruments with which they now use them against each other. Why, I mean, why is that? What, because I, I find what you just said an aberration. Yes. And it's like our, our country is full of aberration that we've made to become the norm. Yeah. Why, what is responsible for that? And we, we claim to have religion. And religion, uh, I mean, you cannot argue that religion is a source of morality and uh, good values, human values. Why? why? Why is that aberration a norm, Prof? Well, um, what I can say here is that religion, if religion does not change you internally, if religion or if religious values are not appropriated, internalized, so that they can become the principle by which we live by, our lives. But what I have observed happening in Nigeria is that religion is being converted to suit ethnic values, to suit human social values, and even ethical practices. 
You use the name religion, whether you are a Christian or a Muslim or a traditionalist, they use religion as an instrument by which they build their own ethnic and religious identities. Not national, but subnational values. You see, Nigerians have grown to become a nation whereby the, the varieties of different ethnic, religious, and, and even regional groupings of Nigerians, instead of using religion that will unite all of them, to, that, that there are religious values yeah. that are uniting factors to bring people together. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, if religion does not convert the people, the people are going to convert religion to suit their tastes, to suit their subnational values. And this is what is happening or has been happening in our country, is the fact that Nigerians, whether they're Christians or Muslims or traditionalists, have focused more on what religion can be used or culture can be used in order to enhance, promote, protect, defend their own ethnic identity or religious identity or regional identity. So in the sense, in the sense that the concept of national integration, mm. that is bringing people from different backgrounds, Social religious backgrounds, mm. bringing them together to be able to build a cohesive, harmonious society that you don't find in Nigeria. For example, just a few years back, especially in the regime of Muhammad Buhari, where this, this ish social factor came in the open, and that is that Nigerians became more divisive as a nation. Divisive in the sense that an ethnic group or a religious group or a regional group, their emphasis upon who they are in terms of what others are in the country. And then the, the struggle of one ethnic group or religious group to overload it over others, to become dominance. You see, so we have created uh, 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 values of dominance and subordination. You create values that will look down upon all the rest and for you to become dominant and the values that you can subjugate uh, other people and place them under your feet. And that is the, what has been happening in our nation. Yeah. So you find that uh, the, either ethnic groups are struggling, fighting each other in order to exist, mm -hmm. or religious groupings are fighting each other in order to exist, or how to use the Nigerian social structures and instruments the instrument of government. Who holds instrument of government? Government. It becomes competitive and divisive in our nation. You spoke so uh, much about uh, division. Now, the kind of education uh, uh, that you got, you know, I'm talking about your generation right now, was that of integration. I mean, Christians didn't have much troubles living with their Muslim or traditional ATR, uh, African traditional uh, religious uh, people. That was not an uh, issue. But what is that one single idea that came into society, uh, and maybe you point out, you know, in history, uh, that came into 
the Nigerian society that has really caused chaos and made some people look at themselves as we are superior than others because we hold the reins of government or because, you know, we believe in some uh, religious dogma or uh, I don't know for whatever, uh, any other reason again. Uh, let me just take us a little bit back historically so that we can be able to understand what you're talking about here. Uh, prior to independence, uh, Nigerians, after independence, met, or oh, sorry, just before independence, and immediately after independence, Nigeria came together, Nigerians came together as regional groupings. Yeah. There's North, the South, uh, sorry, the North, the West, and the East. East yeah. These were the, basically four regions. Immediately after independence, we have the third region, that is Midwest. Midwest, yeah. Okay. Now, prior to independence, these various ethnic groupings and regional groupings, uh, it, it was more or less like they were in a state of competition <laughs> with each other. Nevertheless, they were able to agree mm -hmm. that, de that, that uh, despite their differences, whether religion or regionally, they were able to come together and form a country called Nigeria. Now, as they continue, it wasn't, it, it wasn't long. Then the, the, the issue of you see, the regional factor was there, and the religious factor was also there. Even though they were tame at independence, or I could say that uh, there was a compromise to have them, and that's why we're able to get the independence. But after independence, these factors gradually were growing within us, and they become... Uh, uh, they become full-blown. Now, the, the, the coup, the 1966, January 15, 1966 coup, actually brought out one, I mean, two factors. The factor of regionalism and also the factor of religion, or you can call it uh, ethnicity and religion together. Okay? North versus Whatever <laughs> you can, you can say it. Okay, now that that emerged. Okay, now the military came on in order to put a, a stop to the emergence of that very strongly. So the British, I mean the colonial, I mean sorry, the army or the soldiers, this the the military regime came up with a concept of nation building. How do you build a nation? And then how do you integrate a nation? So they came out with the policy of nation building and national integration. And that is why during Gawan's regime, they were able to create states, 12 states. For example, Northwest. Mm -hmm. The boundary of Northwest started from Niger Republic. And it goes perpendicularly all the way touching the western region. Now, Northwest combined, combined 
all various ethnic groupings and religious groupings. And the military concept at that time was that bring people of different religious and ethnic and regional backgrounds, put them together so that they will learn how they can develop cohesion, Mm. harmony, and understanding of one another. That's national integration. The same thing they did in the Northeast, from the boundary of Niger Republic all the way to eastern region, south, Calabar area. Okay, cross river, I mean. Okay? Yeah. Now, bringing all the various ethnic groups into one uh, 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 political system, hoping that that will help to integrate them. But what happened? It didn't work. It was just an assumption. It didn't work. Now, when the military continue to rule the country, the emerging cracks of ethnicity and religion and regionalism were becoming more and more evident, okay, in the national life of our country. To the extent that when the military finally exited, after many failed experiments, <laughs> let me put it away. The Shagari regime was an, a military experiment, whether democracy will hold or not. Just under three years, the military came back and continued in their own uh, style of, of, of rulership. But one, one of the things that actually happened in 1979, that is when the constitution was approved. Constituent Assembly of Yes, in 1979, the Constitution was approved. That was Obasanjo's Constitution. Mm-hmm. Or you can call it Mutala Obasanjo regime. Yeah. A Constitution. Now, I look at that Constitution, and that Constitution came out with the ideas which I have already expressed. Yeah. How do you do nation building? And then how do you integrate people together? So in that constitution, the emphasis upon, uh, was upon human rights, equality of people, equality of uh, ethnic groups, equality of regions, and equality of all Nigerians. So that was thrust into the constitution. But it didn't last. When the regime of Buhari came, <laughs> you know, Buhari toppled uh, uh, Shagari's regime. Okay. Now, what was the focus of Buhari's regime at that time? If you can remember, war against indiscipline. Why? Yeah. Because the values, the national values, uh, uh, you, can't, you, you can't say that Nigerians love one another or Nigerians care for Nigerians. And that is why war against indiscipline came about. Because Nigerians their social values, their religious values, and their ethnic original values were anti the spirit of creating a national ethic. That is, a national values that can moderate all the various social, ethical, and moral values of the people. Now, what happened there during that regime? That was when religion, that is when religion, began to rear itself above all other values in the sense that when Buhari came, he now changed, he now changed the concept of 
religion, as particularly Islamic religion. Because at that time, Islamic, I mean, the, the, the law, you have the personal, in Islam, you have personal law. Yeah. Now, personal law was not part of what I call the, uh, the laws that talked about. If you steal, you cut the, not, not really, they cut your hand. And all those things, yeah. not Sharia yet. Okay. okay. <laughs> Sharia was still in the incub- being incubated. incubated yeah. It has not yet come out fully. Mm-hmm. So the idea, the difference between the the uh, uh, what I call the Islamic personal, personal law. Now this one was developed by the British in Northern Nigeria. You have the Northern Penal Court, as was as a result that Northern Nigeria was heterogeneous. It was not homogeneous. Yeah. And there was a need to create laws that would bring all the different groups and religions of northern Nigeria together. That's why they created the penal, northern penal court. Okay. okay? To, to, to accommodate all the differences, uh, religious differences and cultural differences in the north. All right. Yeah. Prof, you spoke about experiments, but I want us to come to the now because you're coming from your generation precisely and in the now i would like for us to look at the speech of the president his independent speech um something particularly he said is the effect that nigerians have to tighten their belts a bit that's not exactly what he said but paraphrased here if you cast your memory back to 86 nigerians still had the same thing your generation had the same thing from ibb during his um, regime or his time as it were. And this is 36 years down the line. The same narrative, the same patience is being sought for by the leadership, you know, of the country. Help us to really understand in perspective the reaction of Nigerians to some of these things who have been patient right from time and nothing has really changed. And it appears that, um, like you have prophesied, you know, as you were speaking earlier, nothing might yet change because if the generation that hasn't gotten the good education is going to take over the saddle as against your generation that got the best, what will become of the country? Help us to understand the reaction of Nigerians to some of these things and to the effect that leaders don't even believe in the unity they preach in the corridors of power that they belong. Yes, absolutely, you are correct in the sense that uh, the problem... Uh, what you are trying uh, to bring out uh, to help us understand that the problem of Nigeria, the major problem of Nigeria, is lack of good leadership. Okay, uh, we don't have leaders in Nigeria that I can call leaders that are interested in transforming the social environment of Nigeria in transforming the peoples of Nigerians. Uh, you see, that the, when leaders are not transformational, it means that they don't know how to develop both the society, the environment, and the people. And that is where we have the leadership problem of our nation. Now, people, Nigerians, just as you stated, Nigerians are crying for good leadership. What is good leadership? Good leadership is the leadership that will be able to create structures of meaning for people in society where they can live 
uh, these structures will become conducive and viable for all Nigerians to live in and be happy with. But the unfortunate thing is that, you know, I started by talking about two, two ways of looking at development. I talk about social engineering. You can, do, you can use political and economic structures to create institutions, structures, systems, organizations, and yet without moral values, ethical values, values that people can have that will help them to live within the structures. Now, so we have two competing uh, concepts of development, the moral engineering on the one hand and the social engineering on the other hand. Now, what is the type of engineering that we're seeing today throughout our national history? Is that we're thinking that national development means creating institutions, creating structures, whereby, you know, the building of roads, building schools, and so on and so forth. Now, what happened is that who is going to run those organizations and institutions? Those people must be trained, must be nurtured, and be developed in such a way that they have moral and social values that can help them how to moderate the excesses, either of the use of structures or the use of social and religious and cultural values in our country. That is what we have not built. For example, if you ask Nigerians, what are the national values of Nigerians that you hold, that you can hold Nigerians accountable to those national values? And I'll tell you that Nigeria is yet to develop national values. Constitution is talking about uh, uh, creating uh, uh, structures, creating systems, creating values that will, will you think will hold Nigeria together. But this is, these are just values on piece of paper. But Nigerians themselves, they have not yet been nurtured, developed, in, uh, culti in their, to cultivate their attitude, their behavior, and their social practice, which is at variance with what we understand about democratic values. You see, the problem that we have in Nigeria is that we're talking about democracy. Democracy is about values. What type of values? Mm -hmm. Values that are not subsumed under religious exclusive religious values or ethnic values or regional values. Democracies have, democracy project values that are beyond, okay, that transcend our ethnic religious grouping or ethnic religious boundaries, okay? But that is what Nigerians find it difficult to do. They have not yet been able to create a national ethic or national ethical structure that can moderate their attitude, their behavior, and their practices. We don't have that. Okay. Are you really proud of the democracy? Because people begin to count first republic, second, third, and fourth, and the series of elections that were held. In some way, people argue that, look, we have, deepened, we have come, be, come a long way in the practice of democracy. Now, if you look at the gains, on the one hand, it's really not commensurate to this pride that we take 
in professing democracy. How do you feel about this, the experiences from your time up until we just came off an election season, by the way? Well, um, the concept democracy has just become <laughs> a password. Let me put it this way. That what Nigerians, when they talk about democracy, the democratic values and the democratic institutions, this is what we don't have. We don't have. When Nigerians create institutions, they create institutions for and on behalf of certain classes of people, of certain religious grouping, of certain regional interests, and they're using those parochial, uh, they're using those subnational uh, values or subnational institutions to create national things whereby the, it will be to the benefit of certain people who created such constitution or democratic system that we now have. Democracy is a, is, is a process. Democracy it depends on who is, the, who is talking about democracy, and it depends on what group of people mean by the concept of democracy for themselves. So in Nigeria, we talk about democracy, but do we really understand what is democracy and democratic values and democratic institutions? You see that we don't have. So I don't know which politics Nigerians are playing. I don't have a name for it. But it's not democracy. Okay? Really? Really, it's not democracy. What is democracy? <laughs> <laughs> Is it democracy, is it to, to build roads? Is it to build institutions? Is it to set up political parties? Is it to conduct election? Now, when you look at all these that Nigerians have created and what they have done or practiced, you find that their practices are at variance with true democratic values. And so what we practice is not democracy. I'll give you an example what is very what is new to us. I mean, sorry, what is uh, of recent uh, 2020, uh, uh, 2023 elections, February 25th, and the subsequent ones. Now, INEC has declared who wins, who won, and who lost, lost the election. Mm. Now we now have to go to another level. That is the judiciary. Okay? Now, from, from the outcome of the judiciary uh, uh, <laughs> pronouncement, okay? You know, you know, in some states, in some areas, you know who won election. Very clearly, you know who won election. But when they get to the judiciary, the answer will be different to the question of who really won election. The answer is different, okay? So the answer is based on what? The answer is based on technicalities. The answer is based upon logic, language, okay? But not the act, what actually happened. Because nobody can re 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 reenact 
the act of rigging before the tribunal. Nobody can reenact it before the tribunal because the act has been done once and for all and is gone. Okay? So this is the problem that we face. Now we say this is democracy, but is democracy addressing the question of truth? It's not. So what you have, the, the problem we have is that we seem to m marry God's justice with human concept of justice. Not really human aspect of justice, concept. Concept. Okay? Now, w well, in, in law, human beings can create laws. Yeah. Okay? Mm -hmm. And we call it what? Positivistic law. Yeah. Positivism. That is, human beings have the ability to create their own laws and set their own rules and so on and so forth. Now, this is what Nigerians are doing. They have copied what is done in the West. So you have, you have created your own laws, uh, positivistic laws. And sometimes we think that when a decision is taken by the positivist lawyers, and we tend to call it justice, and equate it with God's justice. And it is not. The two justices are different. God's justice is standard. Okay? And it's not based on human manipulation of language or logic. Okay? Probably but, interesting. But, but human beings have the ability to create their own concept of justice. Does that have a meeting point with God's justice? It doesn't. It doesn't. If it does, then the, the, the judgments of the, just, of the justices in Nigerian courts will tally with the standard of God's truth. But in this case, no. All right. Well, it's very clear. You see, so the mistake that we have is that we mistake justice that has been, that has been uh, created in our courts. Their justice is different from God's justice. Right, well. You see, the two are different. Why, why are judges called Mr. Justice? They have taken the position of God. And they sit in the seats of God to dispense justice as God would do it. But what, are they, what is the problem they have? They are caught in what? In the mechanics, in the logics, in the positivistic approach to what human beings have invented and created. So they are caught in between that, wiggling and language, and they conclude. And their conclusions cannot be equated with the true justice of God. Now, this is what is happening. So somebody will say, I'll give you an example. A court will declare somebody either he lost or he won. Okay? Mm. And then the fellow will say, justice is being served. Mm. Now, the ordinary people will think that what? That that justice is God's justice. Forgetting that human beings can create their own justices. Okay? Mm. 
So the two are different. All right. Well, let's open the phone lines in case you're just tuning in. We've been having a chat with the Reverend Professor Yusuf Utoraiki. Uh, he's a professor of social ethics, and he has uh, written extensively about a different aspect of society. And this is an Independence Day special program. The program will end by 6.15. Uh, so uh, the phone lines are open, 081-2187-7777, or you call 090-5566-6699. Please, if you call... Tell us your name straight to the point. You have one minute. And don't forget to turn down the volume of your radio. And on Facebook, you can reach us um, on JFM Live. And on X, which is Twitter, um, you can reach us at JFM. Just drop your comments there, which we'll be taking. Please turn down the volume of your radio. Let's take the first call. Hello and good evening. Thank you for calling. Thank you for calling. Tell us your name straight to the point, please. Thank you very much. This is the boss of Angola. Great comrade, I don't want to be Solomon. Well, listen. I greet the guests, the events in the studio. Thank you very much. You said everything. Nigeria is too religious. Nigeria is a religious country. But unfortunately, we are in real peace. It's expected that a religious community or a country should be experiencing peace, but there is no peace in the country. So I urge the religious, the clearing should teach peace. Peace is priceless. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Hello, good evening. Thank you for calling. Got to you late. Zero eight one two one eight seven 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 seven. Or you call zero nine zero five five six 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 nine nine. Good evening. Thank you for calling. Hello, good evening, Mr. Ponsa. Thank you for calling. Tell us the name straight to the point, please. My name is Vera. I'm calling from Old Bukuru Park. Well, listening. Thanks for calling. Well, I want to appreciate the guest. Well, he, he has said it all. But the only thing that I want to say that our religious leaders from the other side of the country are not helping matters at all. They use their pulpits in instigating some kind of division. They divide the country, telling their words what is not real. Realistic, because if you see before this election, the other side of the country, mostly the northern side of this country, they politicize it with religion, saying all sorts of things which is not right for a nation building. It's quite unfortunate. I wish that they would call these people to order so that they will know what they will be preaching whenever they are on top of their pulpit. It's not. If you want to build a nation, this is not what we need. Thank you. Prof, please uh, note the, this question because I'm going to ask you. Uh, a lot of times Nigerians look at, especially people from the south, you know, they look at uh, those, those in the north as the main problem. And then those in the north will look at people in the south, you know, as the problem. Uh, we're going to talk about that, uh, Prof. Hello. Good evening, Pastor Gilbert and the guests in the studio. Thank you for calling. Thank you. So only what I would say, I say I will say. Tell us your name. Tell us your name, sir. Okay, I'm Musa Ekekalo, calling you from Boshi Park. Go ahead, sir. Thank you, sir. I wish you well. But for we Nigerians, we are ready to build a nation. We should and find a way of building a nation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Good evening. Yeah, bonsoir. Good evening. Thank you for calling. Uh, this is Santino from Bukuru Express. Well, listening. Thanks for calling, sir. 
Thank you very much. There's something that seems to bother me. Like our big brother there has spoken where exactly. If you say an ordinary Nigeria to analyze what is wrong with us, he seems to know what is wrong with everybody. Who will bear the car? That is just the main thing to every Nigeria. Who will have that mind to say, let us put Nigeria into working? We seem to be dancing around. Nobody is afraid to pick the something and say, now, let everything now work for Nigeria. We seem to be very, very afraid. Why? There is a force that is making things not to work in Nigeria. Is it spiritual or physical? Hmm. I want us to unveil it. Thank you very much. God bless you. Th- thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you too. Hello, good evening. Well, Gilbert, maybe you take us through uh, some comment that we have already on Facebook, but uh, if you are yet to be ready, I can squeeze yeah, in one more. We moment. can go ahead for a second. Okay, go ahead. Victor Barige is saying, the answer is simple. Good leadership in all sectors of, ad- of administration is the only way out. Ephraim Choji is saying, I think there is nothing to celebrate in this country because no regards for human life and no development and infrastructure. More needs to be done in this country to curtail the happenings in our nation. Omar Dan Matthew is saying, if there's anything to celebrate Nigeria 63rd, uh, at our 63rd independence, it should be big congratulations to everyone that survived APC and Buhari's government and the added hardship ongoing in Tinubu's government. We now have indigenous colonialism, which has oppressed and impoverished the masses for years. Welcome to renewed hope, to renewed hardship. Current political rulers cannot deliver any good governance. Dimas Bala is saying, we cannot say that so far so good, but this is where we are. Some say that it's better to be under the rulership of white men because our people have failed us. The truth is, we all have the responsibility to build this nation. Shifting blame is our problems. Let's all believe in ourselves um, and build our nation. United States was not built by angels, but by human beings like us. Nobody will build your nation except you build it yourself. David Mark Sambo is saying, um, Nigeria 63, there is nothing to celebrate about. We are going all for, through all forms of hardship. I congratulate the people of Nasara State with the judgment that took place in the tribunal today. God has done it for them and um, I have never seen where minorities <coughs> rule over the majority. Albert Akaya Dagza is saying the wealth of a nation is not dependent on the quantity of mineral um, resources that it has, but on the quality of human resources and efficacy of their input in the country. Nigeria has a long way to go. Good evening. Mark Dachun says Nigeria is independent um, as we were before because I have not seen anything to celebrate about Nigeria. Because we are celebrating suffering, hardship, high school fees that parents cannot pay. Nigerians are weeping because bad leadership and lying leaders are everywhere. James Dan Gombe says, shout out to my lecturer and the guest in the house. All right. Godwin Sule is saying, my guest in the house, happy independence to you all. Is um, easy our fourth to be a G- Nigeria is not... All right, thank you. Ishaq Kuzumji says, Nigeria as a nation is blessed, but corruption has taken greater part of us. The journey towards a sane and corrupt free country will be hastened 
when enough individuals experience genuine heart transformation, God bless Nigeria, you're saying. Don Z says, our leaders have failed Nigerians. That is why people don't have any passion um, in the affairs of the country. Suleiman Jibril says, I want to use this opportunity to thank Almighty Allah for witnessing another Independence Day alive and healthy. And I pray may Allah continue to bless our dear country. All right. Well, let's take one more phone call and then we give the uh, guests opportunity to respond. Good evening. Thank you for calling. My name is Abubakar Suleiman. I'm calling from Angorogo. Thank you, Abubakar, for uh, calling. We're listening. Um, I would like to congratulate the Pope. He has done it well and he has said it all. And uh, my question goes to him. Professor, can you see, can you, for me, I was thinking, if the, uh, uh, the religious leaders, both the Christian and the Muslim religious leaders will come together, because you can see these politicians, they, the religious leaders are the ones telling them that, telling their followers to vote for so, 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 so candidates. And yet, if the candidate fails, they cannot tell him the truth. So can you, my question is, if the religious leaders can come together and harmonize or unite, we can be able to defeat the bad leaders that we have in the country. This is my question. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, Prof, please go ahead. Uh, we have uh, barely 10 minutes for you to give your responses, <laughs> you know. Uh, okay. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, the question, I, let, me, uh, let me remind because I'm very interested. <laughs> the caller said that... Uh, I mean, basically, he made it look as if the religious leaders from the north are the problem. Uh, instead of, uh, uh, you know, the northerner will look at the southerner saying, ah, these are the problems. The southerner will look at the northerner and say, look, these are the problems. I mean, what's your take? Well, I can just say that this is uh, uh, blame games, <laughs> religious blame games. Uh, Ethnic and regional blame games. Uh, you always see that yourself, you are perfect, and the other is the one that is causing uh, problems. Uh, I think the I want to thank the those who asked questions and also those who made remarks uh, and the and the other one. Um, let me focus more on two issues. Mm -hmm. The first issue is the religious problem. And then the other issue is that of lack of leadership for national development and integration. Let me start with a religious problem. You see, all religions, they have their claims based upon their dogmas or religious beliefs and ideas. And each one of them claims that it is God, the creator, that has given them those religious, moral, and ethical values. But let's look at it because we need to critique religion and we need to critique ethnic uh, ethnicism and we also need to critique other social issues that human beings have and I'll reduce that to one important principle 
One important fact that we need to bear in mind is the fact of creation. All religions believe that God created and that God created human beings. Even if you don't believe that God created human beings, you have you have a starting point. <laughs> you may be an evolutionist. Nevertheless, you still believe that human beings started from a simple origin. Okay. Now, the fact of creation. Now, God created human beings. And God created the rest of the world or creation itself. Now, just the mere fact and the mere truth of creation is the basis upon which we can critique religion, we can critique philosophy, we can critique science, and we can critique, we can critique any form of human knowledge or the knowledge that human beings have created. Now, what comes first in God's creation? God created two important things in his creation. The first one is creation itself. That is the world. It's created by God. And the second important factor is humanity. Human beings all put together, they are created by God. So a human being comes first after creation. Now, the fact that human beings have been created by God, it means that creation has established a fundamental ethical moral truth of the equality of all human beings regardless of whatever they are. So the fact and the act of creation is the foundation upon which religious people need to begin. Ethnic people need to begin. Philosophers and scientists need to begin. The fact that a human being has been created by God, a human being has two ethical principles. The first one is relational. That we relate to one another or to each other on the basis of creation. It is a fact and it is truth. The same thing, we are also, we relate to creation itself. That is the world, we relate to it. But the first relational principle is that of God himself. Because he created us, therefore we stand in relationship to God. And not only relationship to God, but we also stand in a responsible, accountable position before God. The same thing applies. We relate to creation, but we are also responsible to creation. And the other fact is that we relate to fellow human beings, but we also are responsible to fellow human beings. My treatment of a fellow Christian or a Muslim or a traditionalist or anyhow is not based upon my dogma because my dogma was not primary in creation. It is the fact that humanity has been created first and therefore it is on the basis of this humanity that I'm responsible to every human being regardless of his religion, ethnicity or whatever the fellow is. 
So religion, and so we can use the principle of creation, the fact of creation, as the primary instrument of what of addressing our religious diversity or religious. Uh, let, let me not put the word diversity. Our religious claims. Now, I'm not responsible to a fellow human being because of my own religion. Because my own religion comes after my creation. Religion came after creation. It's not primary. Religion is not primary. Religion comes after. Philosophy comes after. Science comes after. Anything that human beings create comes after what? The fact and the act of creation. So I'm responsible to a fellow human being, not on the basis of religion, not on the basis of philosophy. Because if I claim that it is religion, that I will use religion to relate to fellow human beings, what if my religion tells me that if the fellow does not believe what I believe, I kill him? So people use religion to kill, to discriminate fellow human beings. But if they have understood the fact, the primacy of what? Of creation. That I relate to fellow human beings on the basis of the fact and the act of creation. Not religion. Not philosophy. Because philosophy is human creation. Mm -hmm. Religion, you see, there are two kinds of religion. There is the specific religion of God that contains all the attributes and the moral character of God. And there is the other religion that human beings claim that God has spoken to them or that God has made them to do this and that. But you have to look at it. Which religion, which religion agrees with the total attributes and moral character of God? You find people claiming that they, be, they know God, and yet they are the most cruel, wicked, dominant people on earth. God is never like that. So there are two kinds of religion. There is the exclusive religion of God with all his moral attributes and moral character. Now, human beings that claim to know God and live for God you find them, what are they? They will use, in the name of religion, they will kill human beings. In the name of religion, they will discriminate against fellow human beings. In the name of religion, they will deny human beings their rights, and so on and so forth. Now, this is exactly what is happening in our country, Nigeria. When, when somebody says that they are going to fight for, in the name of God or in the name of religion, if you look at it, if you are a true social scientist, you will know that the, the, the reason for which, you see, the disposition that the fellow has is not God's disposition. It's not God's reason, but it is, could be ethnic reason. They use religion to protect themselves and to protect their ethnicity and to protect their interests. And so you, you, you find that human beings who claim that ah, we are followers of God and this. If God is righteous, if God is kind, if God is loving, and then somebody who proclaims that he, he knows God 
and he has no love for fellow human beings. He has broken one fundamental ethical principle, and that is the act and the fact of creation. This is what unites all human beings together and nothing else. And therefore, human beings must have to go back to the fact and the act of creation. We are supposed to be responsible to each other because creation makes us to be responsible to each other. And creation makes us to be relational to each other. Fellow human beings, relationships. Relationships. Now, people use religion to destroy relationships. People use ethnicity. People use philosophy. People use science to destroy this creational relation that God has created human beings to be able to relate to each other on the basis of creation and nothing else. Now, that much talk about religious leaders and all those things, please study all the acts and the activities and the writings of all religious leaders. The question is, do all that they have written, all that they preach, do they rhyme? Do they agree? Are they contaminous with the moral character of God? If they are not, then there's something wrong with those such dogmas and such religious preaching and so on and so forth. Because they don't display the character of God. They display what? They display the, 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 the corruption, human corruption. You see, self-centeredness in human beings. A self-centered religious person will always act self selfishly. Greed and lust are in human beings. And the principle of fear and the principle of, of, of guilt, they are all in human beings. And therefore, to answer the question of religion Thank is you. simply this. I, I can just st stay here. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Prof. Well, uh, our time is fast spent. <laughs> I just looked at the time, and uh, we, we just have barely one minute uh, before the end of the. But perhaps you can just make, you know, in few seconds, you can uh, make uh, your remark before we call it a day. Well, just the other aspect of uh, of leadership. Uh, I have already stated it very clearly that the problem of leadership in our country, Nigeria, is that we don't have. Leaders, we don't have transformational political leaders who will transform both the society, the environment, creation on the one hand, and at the same time create what develop fellow human beings. We don't have leaders that are transformational politically in their own field. You see, you, you may be a politician, but you don't have a transformational knowledge and skills to develop both people and society. Thank, Thank you very much. Thank you very much, the Reverend Professor Yusuf Utariki. Well, Gilbert, I can see that you are spellbound. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have uh, to say that twice. Yeah. Really, it's a statement of fact. Um, really interesting time with prof different dimensions to the aspects, the various aspects of Nigeria's problem. And here is hoping that our leadership does the needful to bring out this country, country from the doldrums, you know, yeah. to the path of progress. In that light, Ponsag, um, the controversy 
between the wife of the president, Saint Olurimi Tinubu, and Garbashew, is taking a new turn. He has now come out to defend Buhari to say the man did a pretty good job as he handled the most difficult problems that faced our nation. You imagine that. Opinion is not sacred. <laughs> well, uh, that's our conversation for the day uh, to mark the 63rd independence of our country. The topic has been is truth and necessity for building society. If yes, has Nigeria or is Nigeria losing efficacy of truth? With the Reverend Professor Yusuf Uturaiki. You can find his books like this one, The Trinity of Sin. It was published by Zondervan in 2012. I have a personal copy. I think I have... Uh, virtually all of the books that our prof has written uh, so far. And uh, that is an uh, incredible amount of resources if you want to understand history, religion, philosophy, uh, and all of that, you know, along. Even anthropology, uh, if you want to understand that. My name is Ponsak Fanap. Thank you very much. Uh, no news today. Enjoy the rest of our programming by now. Mm-hmm.